You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. Well, if, if you've been with us, you know that we're in the middle of a summer series called Freeze Frame. If not, hey, we're in a summer series called Freeze Frame. And so what that means is, is that what does it look like when we're running through life so quick and we don't ever stop? Like a lot of times we get in places, and, and I want you to think, and I don't want you to think just for our seniors that are graduating, this is a message for everybody, but especially those like you're running so fast through life and all of a sudden things just happen. And if you're not careful, some of the things that are happening in your life, you don't necessarily like what it is. So what we've been saying is this summer, what would it look like, kind of like the game of freeze tag, if all of a sudden we just went, freeze, and you got to stop. And not only do you have to stop, but you got to take a picture. And you got to examine that picture and see what you're looking at. I think a lot of times if we had a little bit of evaluation in our life, we would save ourselves a whole lot of heartache and pain. Because a lot of times life really isn't that difficult. We can see things when they're coming if we will stop long enough to look. If we'll stop long enough to listen to God's word and to look at the things around us. All of us can probably tell stories, especially us that are older, of how we can look at our lives and say, you know what? Yeah, I mean, like, obviously that was not a good decision, and I should have seen this coming. Yeah, obviously, going to whatever party or whatever, like, I look back now, and and wow, I can see how that was going to lead to an addiction. Or wow, how that relationship that was, like, really bad in the beginning, but I kept like, well, but it'll be different. I can change them. And then you're sitting there going, wow, yeah, I, I should have seen this coming. Careers, choices. All the things that we do. Like, it's not rocket science. It's one of those things, if we stop long enough and look, Scripture's made it very clear that we can judge things by its fruit. The problem is, is most of us never stop long enough to look at the fruit. We're just too busy eating. And all of a sudden, we're in the middle of eating our oranges, and we go, well, how'd the lemon get in there? It's because you ain't stopped long enough to look at it. You're just grabbing and going. Well, today's message, I'm not going to hit the last two, but in Part three, I want to talk about one concept because I think it's very fitting and, and it really is, again, for, for some of our graduates because what do we do when we look at the picture? Like we pause in life, we snap a picture, we look at that picture and we realize things are about to change and they're never going to look like this again. What do we do when we look at a picture in our life and we know that we are in a season of transition? Now, for all the graduate parents, just deep breath. We're going to get through this together. All those years, can I give you a little bit of encouragement? I know you say, oh, I just, I just want things to stop. I, don't want it to, I just don't want them to grow up. I just want to have them forever. No, you don't. Trust me. There's amazing stuff on the other side of the freeze. Plus, they're going to move out, but they're going to come back, and it's going to be awesome. And their siblings want their room, so they're like excited today. But for you, take a deep breath, because sometimes we want to pause things. You know, we, we laugh, and, and you know, I have five children, and, and they range in different, different concepts. And it's so amazing that the older my oldest get, then the more I enjoy my younger ones because... I'm less concerned of the phases ending and I'm looking forward more of what's to come because God's given me a glimpse of like, wow, 
this thing, as amazing as it is, it just keeps getting better. And could you imagine what it would look like if we stopped at one stage in life because we thought that was the greatest moment in all the things that we would miss out on? So I want to try to tackle that through God's Word. What do we do when we snap and take a picture in our life and we look at our lives and we say, you know what? Here's what I know. This freeze frame is never going to look like this again. This jumping up, woohoo, and I'm in my cap and gown. You'll never be in that cap and gown again. You'll never walk those halls again. And for sometimes, whatever that transition is, you're never going to walk into that office for your career again. You're never going to walk into that house being single again. You're never going to walk into that marriage with it being just the two of you because now there's a baby that's now you're a mom and a dad. Whatever the transition is going to be, when we hit those transitions in life, I'm never going to have my child staying here every night again. Those transitions can be scary. They can be a little bit of anxiety. But there's two things that I think that we do that really mess it up. And then I want to dive into God's word and give you, to me, the two main words that Jesus has used. There's two verbs that help us launch into this thing called life. But two things that I want you to catch. Are you ready? Two things. When we hit that, there's two mistakes we normally think. The first mistake that we make, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. If you have a Bible, whether it be on your tablet or your phone, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 11. So you can go ahead and get there. But one of the mistakes, there's two big ones, but one of the mistakes that we make is we think that during this transition, number one mistake, it's crippling, it's terrifying, it's the biggest thing that most of us struggle with. Even when we're not the one in transition, but somebody that we love is the one that's in transition, it's the mistake of thinking that we have to know everything that follows the transition. I don't know why in our culture that we think that knowing everything is where peace resides. Like, I don't know why. I don't know what it is that we, we look. Like, I don't do the whole senior stand up and, hey, my name's Billy and I have no idea what I'm doing and I don't know what, good to be here. And everybody's like, oh, that guy, he, I mean, he's getting ready to graduate. He needs to have a plan. Why? Who said that everything has to be planned out? Now, some of the parents right now are like, don't listen to him. He's an idiot. <laughs> listen to me. Especially the parent that's saying that. Tell me who said that it was so important for you to have everything planned out. If you're going to college, you know how colleges make the most money? is you think you've got a plan, and they're banking on the fact that you've got at least three major changes, and that's going to cost you a little bit more money. Because your plan is not really your plan. Your plan is somebody saying, you need to have a plan. And you're like, okay, well, I'm going I'm to be a nurse. Okay, great. And then you go, oh, wait a minute. I, 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 can't, I can't see blood. <laughs> that's kind of a hard thing then. Oh, I want to be a doctor. Okay. You're going to have to go to school for 14 years. Okay, I don't want to be a doctor. 
You know, like, every, like everybody tries to come up with these plans. Now listen to me, Scripture's very clear. God says that he has a plan for you. A plan to prosper and not to harm. A plan to give you a hope and a future. So please know that God's plan has already been established if you're a follower of him. And you don't have to worry about, is my life going to be meaningful? Guess what? God's plan is a plan for you to prosper and not to harm. To give you a hope and a future. So your key, listen to this. If you don't listen to anything else, just listen to this one. You don't have to have a plan. You just got to make sure you know the person that does. And I promise, Scripture is very clear, that he has a way of directing your steps. Here's the way I wrote it in my notes. God does some amazing things when you're living in a stage of faith and obedience. I mean, God does his best work. Not when you know, but when you're living in a spirit of faith and obedience. See, sometimes following Christ means God, I, I, I really don't know, but I trust you, and I, I'm, I'm going to take a step. Because I know as long as I'm stepping towards you, that you are going to direct my path, and you are going to establish a plan. And I, when it's all said and done, on, it's like a Disney movie. Like, I could turn around and take several older men and women that are in this room and they could tell you, man, I tell you what, I don't even know how I've gotten here. Like if I was to tell you all the different things that went along, like I didn't know that one day going fishing, that when I was pulling the boat out, there was some guy that was sitting there that his propeller on his boat is broke, and we started a conversation. 20 years later, who knew he was going to give me a job? Let me give you one that's kind of funny. I'll use the pastor. I didn't know that a phone call in the summer of 1996 when I came off the golf course of playing golf and somebody said, hey, would you come over to Murfreesboro and, and speak to a college group for us? The guy that was supposed to come backed out last minute. And we called a couple of people and both of them gave us the same name, which was you. I know it's short notice, it's two weeks, but would you mind coming over and speaking to that group? And I was like, okay, sure. Well, I go over and I speak to this college group, and I'm staying at this house, a, a lady by the name of Kathy, her husband's name was Mark, it was Mark and Kathy Fisher. You know their daughter. Her name's Amy. Literally, that's how I met my wife. Like, I joke around. Literally, the first time I met my wife, I slept in her bed. True story. She wasn't there, but I was staying in her room for the weekend. And I look back, and what's so funny is, like, all my single people look at me. Like, you think, oh, I got to go find my mate. You ain't got to find nothing. You got to be faithful and live in faith and be obedient. And I promise, when your story unfolds, your love story is going to be, you're going to go, wow. Like there's people in this room, they're in second or third marriages. And God's done a restoration. And they can look now and say, you know what? Despite the decisions that I've made, 
God has been faithful. When I've pursued him, he's directed my path. And wow, look at what grace he's given me. Look at what I have now. Look at these amazing bonus kids that I have. Look at this amazing husband or wife that I have. Look at the way that he's blessing. When everybody else said this was done, it was over, it's never going to happen, God said, no, no, I'm just getting started. Will you be faithful? Will you step in obedience? Let me restore you. And guess what? I still have a plan for you. And my plan is a great plan. So mental note, if you're sitting in this room today, whether you're 18 or 38 or 48 or 58 or 68, and you go, you know what, I, I, I really don't, I, I don't know like, what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. It's okay. God does some of his best work when you don't know. Because that's when you've got to trust him. So what do you do when you don't know? You gravitate to the things you do know. Like sometimes obedience is not knowing what to do, it's knowing what not to do. I promise, I'm, I'm going to chase another rabbit. I guarantee you, for those that are looking for a godly spouse, let me tell you, that man's not at the bar. He's not at the club. He's not at the beach during the summer at Club La Vila. He's not there. You say, what? What do you mean? Because it's obvious. Second mistake that we make is I think we get focused and we use the wrong words. We get to points in our life, not only do we, do we not realize that we don't have to have everything figured out, you know, we, we can have some steps that we can take with the understanding that in the middle of those steps, God may direct our path to something different. But not only that, but we usually have the wrong philosophy because we're using the wrong words. See, most of us make the mistake, the second big mistake, is our vocabulary is based around two words. Do I stay or do I leave? Like most of our decisions are based on that. Well, is God telling me to stay or is God telling me to leave? And we're trying to pray through that. And those seem like such huge decisions because those are, those are like forever words. Like if I stay, then I'm giving up all of this. If I leave, then I forfeited all of that. Like sometimes I want to, to do what God wants me to do, but I put a lot of work in this, and to just leave this means that, that my life, like all those years, what were they worth? And I want to show you today that those aren't the words that Jesus uses. Jesus actually has two common verbs that he used throughout the New Testament. They sound a lot like stay and leave, but they actually hold a totally different impact. And it's what I want to encourage each one of us in the room to burn into our mind. The two words that Jesus uses on a regular basis is come and go. Come and go. Can I show you where they show up? Well, the first one is in Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, I think before we can make this transition, like we're looking at this picture and we go, wow, I'm in a transition Things are never going to be the same again. 
And we're trying to figure out what that looks like. Because for whatever reason in our American culture, as parents, we say, you've got to have a plan. You have to know. And you're going, but I don't know. And it's okay. But it's one of those things that as you're going, what God says is, you know what? Before you make that decision, can I burn a verb in you? Come. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Now, if we were to actually go into this a little bit deeper, you would understand that what Jesus was talking about in this verse wasn't trying to figure out a plan. It wasn't because somebody had worked hard and they were tired. Like, a lot of times that's how we use it unintentionally, is we're like, oh, I've been working like a dog this week. And we're like, well, get, you know, Jesus is going to give you rest. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about was this major struggle that was going on in the New Testament where Jesus has come onto the scene and he's letting people know that the old pharisaical law that they were using, this legalistic pharisaical law that you have to work your way to have a relationship with God, that it was burdensome. It was constantly holding yourself in check. I can't do this, I can't do that because I want to be a good person and I want to earn grace from God. And, and they didn't really believe in grace, they were just trying to work out their salvation. And they were trying to do that by their works. And it was exhausting. And the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders were using that to oppress the people. Not to give them life and to gain them to move forward, but it was a very oppressing and heavy, burdensome thing. And what Jesus has said is, hey, to all you that are tired of trying to figure this thing out, if you'll come to me, you don't have to constantly try to work yourself to God. And he uses this word yoke. Now, anybody that's, that's been in any sort of a small group before, any sort of a Bible study, you've probably heard some sort of a, of a pastor or a Bible teacher, or if you've ever went to Bible school, some sort of theologian that gets up and talks about what this is. But sometimes they miss it. Yes, it's the agricultural concept that you would take two ox and you were trying to train one and you would yoke or, or you would put them together so they kind of lead each other. But all throughout the Old Testament and into the first few Gospels of the New Testament, the yoke was actually very symbolized as the law. Like it was something that was used on a regular basis because it was referred to as a guide that the Pharisees and the scribes would use the yoke as a symbolism of God's law, the Old Testament law that you find in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books, the Torah. And what he was saying was, if you will latch yourself into the law, this is what the Pharisees would say, if you will latch yourself into the law, if you will allow that to be put around your neck and to direct you, that you would be able to understand what you were trying to do, and you would be able to go out and work and do the things that God was calling you to do. But it was a very burdensome, heavy thing. And what Jesus was telling them is, hey, you know what? I didn't come to destroy but to fulfill that law. But if you'll take that Old Testament ritualistic law off your neck, and if you'll lean into my faith and grace in me, you can put a different yoke on. And my yoke's light. My, lo my yoke's gracious. My yoke will also guide your life, but it won't be so heavy. It won't be so legalistic. It won't be so burdensome. It will direct you in a way because I have this thing called the Spirit. You have my Father, and you have me, and we also have the Spirit, and it's going to dwell in you, and it's going to help direct you and guide you and, and allow you to move through this life, and it's not going to be so burdensome. And then he says these words. 
and you will learn from me. See, one of the things that I want everybody in this room, including me, to understand is that a relationship with Christ is not based on just your salvation. Like we should also have a relationship with Christ that's allowing us to move forward in this life because we're actually learning godly attributes that are a part of our life. Like I am amazed at myself at how many times I can snap a picture and I can examine it and the same trash is in there and I've never learned anything. It's like I just keep going back. Even though it has the same sort of a concept, I keep going back to the same little things in my life that can bring about stress, struggles, and just frustration. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Coming to me needs to be more than just for salvation, even though that's the first and foremost. But if you'll take this yoke, I'm also going to teach you some things. See, that's where it gets great. When you're 18 years old and you're trying to figure out how in the world do I get to this thing called life, and to get to the end of it and have everything I've ever dreamed, listen to these words. You better be careful. Because you're going to be so hard chasing after your dream that you're going to be missing. You're going to get so caught up in trying to chase your dream that you're not going to live it. Dreams are meant to be lived, not chased. Did you hear that? Dreams are meant to be lived, not chased. And you say, well, well, how do I know that I'm going to have these things? Because they're not dependent on you. Now, does that mean that, that you're going to be able to sit back and do whatever you want to? Absolutely not. But it does mean that, that through your little bit of effort, that God can do a whole lot of his effort, and he has a way of working things out. He has a way of moving forward. In fact, here's the way he puts it. He says, if you'll come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, he says, I will give you rest. If there's anything that, that I think that this generation in particular needs to know with everything that's going on in our news, and I'm not even going to talk about all that, is the fact that it doesn't have to be a constant turmoil. Your spirit does not have to constantly be in a spirit of turmoil. That you, through Christ, can have peace, and he can give you rest. What does that rest look like? Well, I know he has something more for me, and I'm going to get there. But if I'm faithful, and I'm obedient, then I know that it's not totally dependent on me, and I can rest knowing that because it's not about me, and God's in charge, then I can trust God that he's going to bring it to fruition. See, I think a lot of us adults in the room, the thing that we've really done to mess ourselves up is we thought that everything was hinged on our effort. I grew up in a generation that was all about, you know, effort, 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 effort. You need to do this, 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 you need to do this. And don't mishear me, there's nothing wrong with work ethic. There's nothing wrong with going and earning things. But at the end of the day, when we start talking about dreams, dreams aren't earned, dreams are lived. Dreams get you to a whole other level that God has to orchestrate those. You can't orchestrate those. I can prove that by having people come up here and share their testimony. Everybody that feels like they are doing what God's calling them to do and they're kind of living a dream, they'll say there was some point in their life that something happened that was totally out of their control. Me, it was a phone call that sent me to Murfreesboro. 
See, God has a way of not only changing your life because of chasing your dream and living it, but the amazing thing is it's also going to impact other people's. And because of that, God says, you know what, what you need to do? You've got to come to me. You've got to come to me. But then in Matthew, at the end of Matthew, he uses the other verb that he uses throughout the New Testament. It's Matthew chapter 28. I'm just going to read the first few words. He said, no, you've got to come to me, but he says, you also got to go. He says, go therefore, make disciples. I'm not even talking about what he's commanding you. I'm just talking about where he's pushing you. He says, no, you've got to come to me, but you need to understand that when you come to me, you're coming with one intention, because I'm going to send you and you've got to go. Here's what I wrote in my notes. Don't use stay, use come. Don't use leave, use go. Have faith to go, but be disciplined enough to come back. I don't mind, I tell you, I'm, I'm a selfish pastor. I think you graduates are amazing. And I got big desires and dreams for you. And yeah, I'm selfish. I pray that God brings you right back to Cleveland, Tennessee. And I pray that 20 years from now when you're in your 30s and you're married and you've got children and you're jamming this life and you're having a ball, that we're sitting in some place that's Crossroads Community Church on a piece of property and a land and you are guiding and leading this church. You say, what if God calls me away and, and I never come back to this town? Will you make a commitment? Come back. Come back and visit. Come back and think of where it started at. Like some of you are sitting with some parents. You know why it's so emotional for them? It's because you hold the key to their heart. And that key looks like a, a one that fits right into your, it's like right by your steering wheel. And it goes right into this thing called an ignition. And they want to know that not only when you go that you're going to do what God's called you to do, but more importantly, you know what they want to know? Are you going to put the key back in and, and come back? You know how we put it in the South? Remember where you came from. Like, I don't mind telling you. If you're a graduate, you've got some amazing people in your life. You've got some amazing parents. And you didn't get here by yourself, and you're not going to get next place by yourself. But as you are going, and you're looking for an answer, do me a favor. When you can't figure out an answer, stop. Hit the freeze button. And come back. I want you to know that for some of you, you're going to go to college. For some of you, you're going to go to trade school. For some of you, you're going into the military. For some of you, you're going jumping right into your career. And I want you to know that Pastor Sam and my heart and this church's heart is you may be graduating high school, but you ain't graduated life. And as long as you're breathing, we're here. You say, what if I move to Texas and need something? It's 12 hours. Pastor Sam's driving, it's about 10 hours. If Haley's driving, we call that flying. You're just low airplane. But we'll get to you. 
But I want you to understand something. No matter where you're at, no matter what you think you need to do, no matter what you think's the next step, no matter where you're at right now, if you don't hear anything, I promise you're not going to get to the place of living out your dreams if you don't take time to stop and to come and to sit with Jesus. And if you get in that place where you go, wow, this is so comfortable, I love this, then you're going to miss out on a lot of his blessings because Jesus has never wanted you to stay. He wants you to go. Isaiah 6, 6 says, who shall I send? Who shall go? Who will take up that montage? Who shall I send out? It's the calling of Isaiah. And Isaiah very simply said, here am I, God, send me. I want to not talk to the graduates, I want to talk about everybody else for a second. You know, we sit in little services like this, and, and worship team, y'all can go ahead and head your way back up. And we think about these services, and we think about honoring them, and, and tell them how proud we are of them, and, and we get through it, and at the same time, we go, you know what? Whew, man, I, I'm so far in life, why? I wish somebody would have said that to me when I was graduating high school. Well, that's not possible. But somebody can say, say something to you right now. I know a lot of adults that right now they're looking at a picture this summer and they don't like what they're seeing. And they know that God's got them in the middle of transition. It's not a transition with career. It's not a transition with a relationship. It's not a transition with anything other than themselves. And God's telling them, you cannot keep doing it your way. But we don't want to listen to that, do we? We, we want to go to, to the younger ones and tell them everything they need to know. Do as I say, not as I do. And God's saying, hey, buddy. Hey, amazing lady. I still want you to come too. Yeah, you've made some decisions. Yeah, you've got some consequences. Yeah, it's not butterflies and rainbows. Yeah, you're not 18 years old with a whole life to give. But at 40, will you give me what's left? At 50, Will you give me what's left? I know you've made some decisions. I know you've, you've chased it after some of the things and you found them to be like the prodigal son. You, you found them to be tasteless, worthless. You're just like, ah, oh, just, but you don't understand. I can't go home, Mickey. God's always said, come. Come. At any moment you want to, I, come. And I will revive you. I will ignite you. I will restore you. And I will get you at a place where then I can send you and you can go. But Mickey, you don't understand. I'm, I'm 28. And man, there's some stuff. Hey, either God's big enough all the time or he's not big enough any of the time. I don't care what the stuff is. I don't care what it's looked like. 
I don't care how big that wall looks, how long that addiction has been, how bad that relationship was. I don't care what it is that you think that you have in your life that's keeping you from God's dreams, but I'll tell you this. You will not get there without stepping in faith and being obedient. But it's amazing how powerful your words can become and how God will put you in a situation that through Him, that you literally can speak miraculous things into people's lives. That you can speak and walls will tear down. But you will never see that in everybody else's life if you've not first experienced it in your own. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.